Why do people with COVID infections have cardiac complications? With the numbers of COVID infections on the rise, will CCUs soon experience a higher than average number of patients with myocardial infarction, congestive heart failure, and other cardiac problems? And how does the heart relate to a primarily respiratory infection? Those are questions that I intend to add that I intend to answer today as we look at the Nurse Tutor podcast. So welcome to the Nurse Tutor Podcast. My name is David Woodruff. I am the editor of Critical Care Nursing Made Incredibly Easy. I hope to make this incredibly easy for you too. In this podcast, I will share with you tips and time savers that are useful and understandable to help improve your practice. As of today, the CDC reports 2.7 million cases with 130,000 deaths from COVID-19. Every day we learn more about COVID-19. Still, it's a disease that we know very little about. In addition to the many respiratory complications of COVID, cardiac complications are also starting to come to light. Let's understand how this happens. So first, we need to back up a little bit and talk about sepsis, because that's what's happening here, is our patient with COVID is developing sepsis, the systemic inflammatory response, and eventually multi-organ dysfunction, which is what leads to the ARDS that we see in COVID-19. That's the severe respiratory infection, the severe respiratory impairment that will require that patient to be on a ventilator. So it's this process of sepsis, severe sepsis, septic shock, and then systemic inflammatory response that leads to these inflammatory cytokines being released. And those inflammatory cytokines decrease cardiac contractility. There's also other local inflammatory damage that occurs as the result of this severe sepsis state caused by COVID-19. All of those factors, the inflammatory cytokines, the inflammatory damage, are going to impair cardiac function, beginning with contractility. So we will see a decrease in our contractility of the heart. We will see diastolic dysfunction. And for those of you who don't work with a lot of cardiac patients, when we talk about diastolic dysfunction, we're talking about relaxation of the heart. So there's going to be an impaired relaxation. If relaxation is impaired, that means then that filling will be impaired. If we can't fill the heart as much, we can't pump as much, and therefore cardiac output goes down. Lastly, we see a reduced cardiac index and ejection fraction. Those are indicators that our cardiac output is decreasing. So the heart isn't pumping as well as it should, and we see that evidenced by a low blood pressure in our patient. However, that low blood pressure is not just out there in the periphery where you're taking that blood pressure with a cough. It is also throughout the patient's whole body, including the perfusion of the heart. So we have decreased perfusion of the heart going on, and if our patient has underlying cardiac disease, that can lead to the patient developing cardiac complications. So we think that these inflammatory cytokines 
particularly interleukin and tumor necrosis factor, are causing this decreased cardiac contractility. They do this by altering the production of nitric oxide and by altering calcium homeostasis. We know how valuable calcium is in the contraction of the heart, and so we have to have enough calcium. We have to have enough to be able to have good, solid contraction of the heart. We give our patients calcium supplements in order to be able to have good cardiac contraction, right? So if we're not having sufficient amounts of calcium getting into those cardiac cells, we're not going to have good solid contraction. And it's these inflammatory cytokines that are interfering with this process. We also have impaired adrenergic signaling, which means we're not getting as much epinephrine or epinephrine, those adrenergic type of hormones to the heart that are stimulating it to beat harder and faster when that blood pressure starts to go down. Lastly, there is some impaired metabolism and reduced energy production of the myocytes themselves, the cardiac muscle cells. What we found is that there is about a 7.6% mortality rate with COVID if the patient does not have cardiovascular disease or myocardial injury. However, it goes up to about 13.3% if your patient has cardiovascular disease but does not have any myocardial injury, and up to about 37.5% for those without cardiovascular disease, but end up with myocardial injury. Lastly, now here's the big number, 69.4% mortality for those who have both cardiovascular disease and myocardial injury. So here is the big deal. We're looking for that patient who has underlying cardiovascular disease and who is exhibiting signs that they could be having myocardial injury when they have a COVID infection. So here's some things that we need to know, some takeaways. Sepsis is associated with multi-organ dysfunction. Look for it. And especially in this case, we're looking for that cardiovascular association. Early identification is helpful because then we can get prompt treatment and help to protect that heart. Aggressive source control is the way that we are managing sepsis now is really aggressive source control. So hopefully in COVID, there's not a whole lot we can do in order to treat the source as such. Uh, There are some medications that may have some benefit, and we don't know enough about that yet. For more information about sepsis and the systemic inflammatory response, see our YouTube video on distributive shock. So finally, in review, COVID can cause intense respiratory disease, but also if our patient has underlying or new myocardial dysfunction, There's a severe increase in mortality. Assess for it. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and get guaranteed results from the certification coach. See thenursingprof.com. Thanks for joining me this week. Until next time, bye now.